Welcome to the Smith and Rowland Show. Let's join our host, Alan Smith and Jeff Rowland. Ladies and gentlemen, I would love to introduce to you the wisest man I've ever known. The man who has shaped the world with brilliance and intelligence, but I called him and he couldn't be here today. So I'm going to introduce Alan Smith to you of the Smith and Roland podcast. Take it away, Alan. You crack me up. Everybody's learned by now, Roland, that you actually mean the opposite of what you're saying. We know that. Okay. Me yeah, and make the yourself believe that. audience, That's good. we know exactly what you mean. Yes. Just and, make yourself uh, believe those yeah, deceptive lies. Go that's ahead. right. I'm waking myself right at home. <laughs> Listen here. You know yeah. Alistair Begg. Good we, preacher. We've talked about him a good bit, and he's a good preacher, and he's almost in agreement with me and you, and I think another month or two he'll be there. That's right. We're working with but, him. <laughs> but he kind of had a little hiccup. <laughs> I guess some would call it a hiccup, but I'm not so sure it's a hiccup, Jeff. I, yeah, I'm uh, not but, neither. But there's an article here that says Alistair Begg was wrong. Condemning mm -hmm. him is wrong, too. So this is the author of this. This is Tom Gilson. Yeah, who's screen. a very good author. Very good author. But we're doing this kind of as an opinion piece from him, the article. Mm -hmm. We'll give our pros and our cons. And we both like Alistair Begg a lot. He's yep. the guy that did the little... Little man outtake the there on on the man yeah. in the how did you get here? And he says it's because of the man in the middle. So Tom Gilson is the author of this article. Alistair Begg was wrong, condemning him is wrong too. And it starts here, Jeff. It's always been there. It is in one of the most famous passages in the Bible. Why haven't I seen it before? I had one of those moments this morning reflecting on Alistair Begg's message last Sunday, in which he explained his advice to a grandmother that she attend her granddaughter's same sex wedding. He's been blasted for it, sometimes far beyond what he deserves. For example, in a blistering condemnation, the Christian Post responded to in an opinion piece. Beg is one of uh, just three pastors I put on my podcast list, other mm. than friends of mine who are pastors. I put him there because I consider him one of the three best. I love his commitment to the love and truth of God and his wise teaching of the scriptures. I've never known anything to complain about except the same beef I have with with every speaker from either Scotland or Ireland, his accent gives him a totally unfair advantage. Over the rest of us who speak and teach, he had in parentheses, yes, it's a joke. I'm not so sure it is. So that's kind of his introduction there, Jeff, on this article of, of Alistair Begg. And if you want to set the, uh, why don't you just sort of set the tone to give the listeners a little feedback what this is about there? Well, the topic that he's covering is uh, a topic I think that we need to talk about because unfortunately, a homosexual lifestyle is finding its way into the church in a multitude of different ways, not just in people attending, but now families in the church are touched by this issue with children or grandchildren that is engaging in this lifestyle. And what intrigued me in reading the article is what is the proper response that we should give. And what I mean by that is this, there's a fine line between condoning and condemning. There's a fine line between enabling and loving. And sometimes those lines are blurry. Sometimes they get crossed. We should never, I don't think, condemn someone. That's not our job. Condemnation is something that we're born with anyway. We're born in sin, and without Jesus Christ, the Bible says we're condemned already. So condemnation is not something that we want to do, but neither should we condone sinful behavior that is against 
and contrary to the word of God. So that's a fine line, Alan. And, you know, I think about people like Ron Ross, who's already in heaven. And Ron was big on the father's love. And I mean, huge. That was his message. And I agree that the father's love, that message should be preached. However, the right perspective of love is to share with someone from a sense of honesty and reality where they're in sin. I think that's showing love. So even that's a fine line. When you're down to a situation where you're giving advice to a grandmother who says, should I go to my granddaughter's wedding who is marrying someone of the same sex? What is the right answer? What's the right response in a situation like this? Is attending the wedding condoning the wedding or is attending the wedding an act of love toward the granddaughter? What is the right answer in that situation? You and I have preached and believe that those that are enslaved and entrapped in a homosexual lifestyle, you don't tell them they can't come to church. You welcome them to church. That's where they need to be is in the house of God. However, while they're there, they need to behave appropriately. And so you're in a situation when you get into your personal life of how do you relate to people who are trapped in that lifestyle? And I'd like to hear from you on that. I don't know, Jeff. It really is a, here you got a grandmother asking the question, I love my granddaughter. She's marrying another lady. Should I go to my granddaughter's same-sex wedding? And I think Alistair, I haven't finished this article here, but I think he said it would be fine for her to go. Now, he got blasted for, because he said, well, you're condoning the behavior Mm -hmm. of your granddaughter Mm -hmm. if you go. It's a far stretch for me that the granddaughter doesn't already know she doesn't condone it. So I think that's probably already been established between the grandmother and the granddaughter. I'd have to believe that, Jeff. And so if that has been established that the grandmother does not condone it, for her to go to the wedding, I think, would be an act of the love of Christ, the love of God. Now, So it would put me kind of in Alistair's camp just a little bit, maybe with a couple caveats here, but because my statement is based on of what I'm assuming that the relationship between the grandmother and the granddaughter already is. I can't imagine that the grandmother has not carried on a conversation with the granddaughter about her choice here. That being said, I think it would be, I think the grandmother's totally within the realms of being correct in the spirit to go to her granddaughter's same-sex marriage. Now, I know that a lot of our followers and my friends too would disagree with me on that statement, but I don't know where... I mean, I'm far stretched to believe that a man marrying a woman, that one of them is probably a pretty big liar or something. So, I mean, I, see, I, I don't know where, if you start, you know, you can mm-hmm. already tell your best friend, man, you're a liar. Why are you, you know, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, well, where right, you come yeah. to my wedding? You know, it's, it's a, like you said, it's a fine line. But I would rather err, if I'm going to make an error, I'd rather do it on the side of a little bit too much grace and love than I would not enough. So there again, it's if they haven't had the conversation, but I can't imagine them not having it. I'm assuming the granddaughter and the grandmother's already had a conversation about it. Let me just throw this out there and using this as an illustration who is marrying someone of the same sex. The grandmother, should she go to the wedding or not? I'm not convinced that either way is necessarily right. I'm not convinced that you could say it's wrong for her to go to the wedding. I'm not convinced that you should say it's wrong if she don't go to the wedding. 
I think there's a lot of foundational things that you're talking about. You can't imagine that the granddaughter hasn't already had a conversation with the grandmother and knows where she stands. I think to go to the wedding, that would have to be a prerequisite. In mm-hmm. other words, I will attend the wedding, but you need to know that I am not condoning this behavior. I think it's wrong. I think the lifestyle is wrong. And I don't think that the marriage is in the eyes of God. It's of none effect. It's not a, it's not a real marriage anyway. But It's not a real marriage. And I think that it would need to be said out loud that though I may be there, I am there in support of you as a person, as an individual. I think under that guideline, then yeah, I don't have any problem with the grandmother going to the wedding. At the same token, neither would I have a problem with someone saying, you know what, this is a step too far for me to go. And then I think the explanation needs to be, this is a behavior and I cannot violate my own standards in my heart. And though I would do anything in the world for you as an individual, I just cannot violate that part in me of attending the wedding. I don't think that either way would be wrong as long as the proper foundation is set. So though there's a fine line between condoning and condemning, a lot of it is going to be in communication, just communicating what is right in your heart to those around you. And then at that point, they may not want you to come to the wedding. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, right. But I don't mm-hmm. think that just the act of being at the wedding indicates mm-hmm. that you're condoning that sinful behavior. Right. I mean, I could see how one observer could take it the way, but I could see another observer would say, we know how grandma feels. We really are impressed that she loves her love for her granddaughter is greater than her granddaughter's actions. Exactly. That's, that's something to say, too. So it probably, you know, it's, I saw a little clip here the other day it was a probably shouldn't even say it but i'll say it anyway there was this black man being interviewed and he said he was saying that he identified uh, as a lesbian as a white he said i identify as a white lesbian locked up in a black man's body oh my gosh well see he needs psychiatric counseling and he said do you have problems with me dating a another woman well, he, <laughs> well he, you lost me. He, you lost he, me. Well, uh, he's uh, identifying, I'm confused. He's identifying oh. as a white woman, <laughs> a white okay. lesbian tied up, locked up in a black man's body, and he wants to date a woman. You have a problem with that. Okay, so a black man who identifies as a white lesbian wants uh-huh. to know if we have a problem if he dates another a woman. woman. I'll be honest with well, you. I got lost was, around first base, and uh, well, he was, I would he say was, to him that what he really needs to do is go ahead and date a woman. And well, if he would date a woman, he might learn that though he identifies as a woman, he might really be a man, and then it would straighten everything out. I mean, I'm well, just saying. At the, at the end of the interview, he was trying to complicate the person's doing the yeah, interview right. and they did a very good job i thought yeah <laughs> I thought yeah he, he would have he would have complicated did, it for me did. all right boy i mean he had to sit there and think oh he did a much better job than what i just did his point was yeah. you know you know what his point yeah. was so and that hasn't got anything much to do with what we're talking about i don't know why i threw that in there I no guess no no free. really it does but, it so, spurs on another topic that i'd like to bring up if i identify as an illegal immigrant could i get on welfare and i think that would be because i identify as an illegal immigrant. So it's the same thing. I mean, you know, if every citizen just identified as an illegal immigrant, we would get more benefits from the government than what we presently get as citizens. Well, now that's a topic for tomorrow's podcast. 
It might be, but daggone, it sounded good to me. <laughs> well, you're doing the same thing I was doing. I got us <laughs> off track. I repent. This is what repentance looks like. While we're off topic, what's this? If I put a Neuralink chip in my big toe and told my toe to identify as a finger, could I still eat chicken with it? It's the same thing. Well, see, same, now that made same. sense to me. Yeah, the lunacy that, that a- is going on all over the world is just absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah, and but guess it's, where it's, it started? It started, and I'm going to say say it out loud. I'll get don't say it out loud. Don't say it out. You don't have, I have to do to. this. No, yeah, I really do. I feel compelled. There is a compulsion deep no, within no, me. Don't don't and, compulse. <laughs> don't please don't and, compulse. And as I compulse, I would say that every bit of this lunacy started with homosexual rights. Yeah, That's where yeah. it started down this rabbit trail was with homosexuals, not just wanting to be homosexual. They wanted to be acknowledged as a right. Can I, listen, Alan, we've gotten so evil now that when you think about just the issue of homosexual rights, that now seems tame. But just oh, yeah. four or five yeah. years ago, that was the evil scourge of our society. And now we've gone so far past that, that that seems tame. And wouldn't you think that that's part of the strategy of Satan to get us so immune to darkness? Yeah, it's got to be. I'd say it definitely is. And I, I still go back to that previous thing that you said. I just can't get away from it. Putting a microchip in your toe, big toe, and eating right. chicken. See, what happens yeah. is instead of chicken fingers, now you got chicken toes. So <laughs> I mean, see, that's what yeah, that one swelled up in you. You didn't have no choice. You had to get well, back to that. Well, it didn't uh, fit anywhere, but I just had I got no I got a visual fingers. We have chicken toes. That's right. That's right. That's I mean, exactly makes sense right. to me. You heard it first, ladies and gentlemen, on the Smith and Rowland podcast. That's exactly right. Okay, let's get back. Now, here's let's the deal. Yeah. Alistair Biggs gave advice to this grandmother last fall about her granddaughter's same-sex wedding. And Tom Gilson thinks that this time that he was wrong, that Alistair mm-hmm. gave the wrong. Now, he goes on to say there's some complicated questions here. This mm-hmm. is enormously complicated issue for believers with gay, lesbian, or trans family members. How right. do I stand my ground and show my love at the same time? That was a question of his message, which he took from Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep, lost coin, prodigal son. View the message and you will sense just how seriously he wrestles with the same question. Still, I think he missed a crucial principle when we're in a swirl of not knowing what to do. It's always wise to ask, is there anything I do know for sure? Clear answers in this whirlwind are like signposts in a blinding dust storm. They help you keep your bearings and can point you in the right direction. There are at least three clear signpost answers connected to this question. He sees one of them well enough, but not so much the other two. Now, number one, signpost. You ready? The first crystal clear fact, which Beg gets very right, is that God calls us to love. In this context, it means loving sinners, including those who have rejected us, who rejected Jesus. He died for us while we were yet enemies, it says. Mm -hmm. After all, Romans 5, 1 through 8 states, by loving others, we live accordingly to God's own love, and we also display the humility of knowing we too have lived in opposition to God. The shepherd in Luke 15 left the 99 safe sheep behind to go find the one that was lost. 
The woman dropped everything to find the lost coin. Both parables speak of pursuing the lost. And Jesus caps both with, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus wants us to see how love compels us to do all we can do in Christ to turn the lost back to him. This was at the core of Begg's message, and it is undeniably true. Comment, Mr. Rowland. Yeah, well, the comment is, is you can't overdo any truth in the Word of God. There is no truth in the Word of God that you can overemphasize or overpreach. I really believe that. I do think that the definitions, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but the definitions seems to be where we get lost. And when you mention love, if love is misdefined, then it'll leave you out of balance with knowing how to respond. And that seems to be the problem that we always run into is what does love look like? How is love defined? Does love mean that you put your arms around everybody at any offense and tell them it's going to be all right? Well, sometimes love is pointing out sinful behavior. That's love. That's the only thing that I would say that we need to be as far as, you know, using the term balance. I also say that you cannot overemphasize any truth from the word of God. Alistair Begg is correct. That love is what motivated the Father, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While showing that kind of supreme love, he pointed out that we were sinners. And then he ate with the sinners, he, the woman exactly. at the well, and you go on That's and right. on and on. And so I think to judge Beg or this grandmother would be wrong. And that's the reason I like this guy's title. It mm. is Alistair Begg was wrong. Condemning him is wrong too. <laughs> and so he yeah, covered right. both of his things there. Okay. Signpost number two, follow Jesus's real example. In his message, Pastor Begg reminds us all the publicans and sinners who said, we got to go meet Jesus and the Pharisees were grumbling. Can you believe this thing? He goes to the house of the publicans and sinners. He meets with sinners. This is true. Love for sinners includes being with them, listening to them, enjoying time time together. A gay friend invited me to a party where I knew I would be one of the few straight men there. I went. I enjoyed the conversation, had a good time. My friend knew exactly where I stood on sex and sexuality and that I had no intention of budging. Sometime later, when I asked him, do you know I love you? He paused just a moment or two before answering this and said, yes. And the reason is, of course, that he did not. He came and didn't judge him. And so Alistair Begg, I think, is he's comparing that. Then he's got signpost three here, Jeff. Can I ask you to give commentary. Signpost three, weddings are different. The third clear signpost truth is that weddings aren't just parties. Some actual parties are like the one I mentioned above, where the point is simply to enjoy being together. Some parties are for celebrating people, their birthday, anniversaries, an award, retirement, and so on. I have no general objection to being at parties like that, even if the honoree isn't entirely honorable. It would have to be a case-by-case decision, and I would weigh the value of the relationship heavily in that decision, just as the pastor preached. Weddings are different. A wedding is no mere get-together, a simple time of enjoyment with a couple of special friends and a larger group to party with. It isn't just the ceiling of a human commitment. A properly conducted wedding has a note of holiness to it as a joyful yet solemn reaffirmation of the first institution of God. We call it holy matrimony for a reason. So weddings aren't just for honoring and celebrating a couple, they're for honoring and celebrating marriage itself. My question there, Jeff, is... Do you really think they're married at the end of it? 
in a holy matrimony. I yeah, think see, not. I don't. I think, yeah, I, I think, I, not, I think not. Yeah. And so but I now don't that's know, where he falls yeah. out with Beg. I'll be honest with you. I, I understand Tom Gilson's thoughts there. I really do. I get what he's saying. And I even agree with what he's saying. And I also would say, if that is his strong conviction, then I applaud him in that situation. If he didn't go to mm-hmm. the wedding, I would be fine with that. But what I, I guess what I'm saying is, is that you're left up to an individual decision. And as long as what is communicated is neither in condoning the sin, but loving the person, then going or not going, I think at that point, personally, it's irrelevant. When I say that, as I say that, and we're just talking about the nuts and bolts of this one issue. Right. If I had a grandchild that came to me and said, okay, I'm, I'm fixed to get married and it's a, I'm marrying somebody of the same sex. Would I attend the wedding? Can I tell you, I can't answer that right now. I've not been faced with it and I don't know what I would do. I'm honest with you when I say that. I'm very honest. I don't know whether I could bring myself to go. I don't know whether I could or not. Now, maybe that's a lack of love within me. It may be. All right. Uh, Let me ask you for a response here. Let's say that same grandchild was marrying somebody of the opposite sex. Would you go? I'm not sure I could bring myself to go to such an event. <laughs> well, that's what I'm talking about. Because, see, I mean, hey, hey, world, let me tell you something. He doesn't like to go to weddings. He doesn't like to preach weddings. It's, that's the reason I asked him the question. He would be the same way, same sex or opposite. Doesn't make any that's difference. Exactly right. That's exactly right. I just don't know that I could not bring it. myself to do it. Yeah, I, I had to do the Paul Harvey there. I just had to. <laughs> I don't know why. Why do you do me that way? I mean, well, knowing I, good and well, I don't know why you do me that way. You had a pretty good Jordan Peterson answering going on there, but I just couldn't take it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Hey, I, one thing I will say is that our response, I think, should be in keeping with the title of that article. Alistair Begg was wrong and condemning him for that is wrong too. I honestly believe that in that title, Tom Gilson wrote that article and penned that title so succinctly that if we follow that title, I just believe that that's the right answer. This wedding is wrong, but condemning these people are wrong as well. So somehow we've got to find actions and words that is reflective of that very thing. For some people, I do believe that they would be better off to not be there, even for them as individuals and as a person. And for me as well, I almost (laughs) lean toward that. And I'm not saying that Alistair Begg is wrong for the counsel he gave. I'm not saying that he was wrong. I won't go that far that Tom Gilson said that Alistair Begg is wrong for that counsel. But I will also say that I probably wouldn't go either. But I would not counsel a grandmother to not go unless it violates something so deep within her that she can't remain at peace with herself and be at peace with God. There's some things that are not sin that I can't participate in, Alan. Yeah, and you know what I mean? I mean, I and, get that. But let me let me ask you this. Would it not be fair to say that you need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you? Let, let me ask you this. Could the Holy Spirit say... I'm going to get you in this can of worms here. Could the Holy Spirit say to one, go, and to another, not? 
Can I tell you, I think so. And I know that sounds contradictory, but I say yes. A careful study of Romans 14, I think, gives me the authority to answer that, that the Holy Spirit may lead someone to do one thing and lead somebody else to do another. Simply uh-huh. because of where we are in our walk with God, something that necessarily you wouldn't be able to name as sin might be uh-huh. off limits for me that would be fine for you, that would not right. uh, put an obstruction in your path at all. So uh-huh. that's why it's very very hard to be condemning of someone who would go to the wedding. It's also very hard for others to even be there at the wedding, else it would be a stumbling block in their own path, in their walk with God. So I just have to say yes to that. Well, and, see, there and, you're going to get us in trouble again. Yeah, well, I know. It. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Some of it comes down to, and this is where me and John MacArthur are different from each other. And I would disagree with John MacArthur in this, but I think it comes down to something that he preaches called Lordship Salvation. You know, there's some who believe that once you get saved, Jesus is automatically Lord of your life. I rather believe that that's a growth in grace. And if you don't allow for growth in grace, then there is no infancy in Christ. And what Paul told the church of Corinth is wrong. You know, there's mm-hmm. some, he won't feed meat to some and they couldn't take it. They could only touch stand meal. Uh-huh. And I think that Paul has given us the understanding that there is this growth in grace process and principle that's at play. Boy, you got us, you get, you definitely got us in trouble there. Well, I think I did, yeah. But that seems to be my goal in life. <laughs> trouble just seems to follow me. All right, Mr. Rowland, we've run out of time. We've come yes, to the end of run our day. Out of time, but I will say this at the end of our day, please pray for my big toe that it does not identify <laughs> as a finger. And I start eating chicken toes instead of chicken fingers. <laughs> well, that'll be the title chicken fingers okay. or chicken toes. That's right. That's, right. That's a good title. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Rowland. Uh, be careful. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye bye. Thank you for joining today's Smith and Rowland Show. You can check out our website at kingdompropheticsociety.org and our daily unplugged podcast at smithandrollinshow.podbeam.com. You can also join us on Amazon, Apple, or Spotify.